You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit, one podcast at a time. Or even two podcasts at a time, because I already know that there is so much information to cover in this episode. There's going to be a second part. Welcome. Alicia here, bride chiller founder, host, human being, human person. I am really happy today because the episode is titled Things You've Learned from Other People's Weddings and it was inspired by a post by lovely bride chiller Anya in the bride chiller community. She said, Alicia, wouldn't it be interesting to have an episode of the bride chiller podcast where we ask the community about them going to other people's weddings and how attending these weddings whether it be while they're engaged or before, had affected their wedding planning choices and decisions. And I thought, this is a great idea. Put it up, put a post up as usual, and then it went off. It went crazy. So many, many responses, all filled to the brim with great opinions, very interesting perspectives, and as usual, you came up with a bunch of stuff, even nearly 300 episodes into this great experiment of a podcast, you still came up with new information. So I have collated the data. I have gone through and hopefully grouped the information in some sort of way that it makes sense. If not, you know me, I'll go off on my own tangent, but it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Do you notice if you say it'll be fine too many times, you sound completely insane. I just finished a pretty crazy day job. I'm a TV producer in the day. And uh, as the production became more and more insane, more people were like, it's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine, it's fine. And um, I, I think fine is not a good word to say you're okay. By the end of that production, I realized it's fine is just a way to suppress a full mental breakdown. Side note from Alicia. Okie dokie, should we just kick it off? See how we go. See how much information I can just crank through in a very nice way and see how we go. It's going to be fine. I'm going to start today with Bride Chiller Crystal, who says, I went to a wedding where the bride and groom skipped the bouquet toss, the garter toss, favours, and much more. It was also vegetarian because the bride is a vegan. And you know what? None of these things bothered me or anyone in the room. Good. This sounds very good so far. It was the most fun wedding I've ever been to because I felt like we were on the dance floor all night. The wedding taught me to skip anything I wasn't 100% excited with. Now, I thought Bride Chiller Crystal, thank you, firstly, for contributing. I thought that was a great message to kick this episode off with because what I love is that people, they listed negative things, nego, as we'd say in Australia, and positive things. We don't say pozo. Just want to say that. And some, none, well, I would say this, none of the stuff that people listed as their either inspiration or inspiration was was mean or bitchy. People were just like, I observed this, observed, it's a new word, I observed this, and then I just said it a second time. I, I know it's observed, but I said it a second time just in case, just for the jokes. But I don't want people to go, oh, she's corrected herself with this. I observed this, got it wrong again. And I was fine with it, but I wouldn't be doing it. So I just want to congratulate everyone for keeping it clean 
and not being assholes. Bradshula Cassie says, I was a wedding photographer for eight years. I saw my fair share of cake tossed in the trash and favours left all over the place. Quite possibly why these two things are going right into my fuck it bucket. Side note, I'll continue this in a second. If you don't know what a fuck it bucket is, I suggest you go back a couple of episodes, three or four, and listen to the episode entitled The Fuck It Bucket, uh, which I think should be the foundation of everyone's wedding planning. I think every bride, and not just because I hosted it, every bride chiller, every groom chiller, as they are given the ring, they should also be given a copy of my episode, The Fuck It Bucket, and just listen to it and realize half this shit doesn't matter. Bride Chiller Cassie continues, you also realize a lot of the details of the day are really just for the bride and groom, groom and groom, bride and bride, and the photographer, since they capture it all. No one else really remembers the color of the flowers or the linens, and uh, especially if they had fucking chair covers. She said effing, but I'm just going to replace that with fuck. As a guest once, the bride and the groom took three hours in between a lengthy ceremony and reception to go romp in the fields during a photo shoot. No appetizers, just drinks and mixed nuts. Everyone was beyond wasted. <laughs> so the start of the reception uh, and was also starving. We call it now the famine of 2009. Oh boy. Cassie, thank you for that feedback. It's great to hear from vendors and also vendors who are now getting hitched because I actually think that's really uh, a fun thing to, a fun exercise to participate in with vendors to say, you've seen a lot of shit. What would you ditch? What would you keep? Sometimes it, uh, you know, going to, I would say, wedding planning events with vendors and then letting them have a couple of drinks and then letting them tell you some stories. It's crazy shit. It's really crazy. I've got a couple of voicemails to share with you, but first uh, I wanted to go back to Anya, who was the one that kicked this all off, who her idea was this episode, Z episodes. A couple of things she suggested. Default to tall glasses for spirits. Sometimes they slow people down. It saves money and reduces drunkenness. Unless, okay, I'm not one for maths, but unless the tall glass contains the same amount of liquid as a short glass. I don't know. Come back to me on that one. She also says, be sure to space chairs out so there's room for at least an arm between each chair. Multiple guests got stuck at a table at a recent wedding we went to. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Now, the MCs should announce the approximate timeline so guests know what to do and when, such as going to the restroom and not missing key parts of the evening slash day. I agree with this. Now, I've done multiple episodes about MCs and hosts, and I'm going to talk a little bit later on. There's a couple of comments about DJs not getting their shit in order. It is up to you, whether you have a person that you don't know, like a DJ, someone that's professional that you've hired to come in and host the evening, day, event, whenever you choose to have it, or if you've got a loved one coming in and doing more of an Aussie and a British style event where you come in and and give them a running order and and they are the hosts for the evening. They come and say, hello, I'm Uncle Jim. I don't know what else Uncle Jim would say, but they would then run the day. But it's up to you to give these people the information and to make sure that they then can convey the information 
to your guests. I'm sure we've all been to events where it's sloppy jalopy when it comes to what, where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to be doing at what time. And the only way your guests know what to do is someone tells them or they're guided, or it's written down somewhere. Now, it doesn't mean that the MC has to go, attention everyone, I'd like you all to get up and go to the toilet, please, because we're going to be sitting down in a minute. I don't want anyone getting up during dinner. You don't have to do that. But it's also just to say, as an MC, as someone who's hosted a lot of things, is a friendly, hi everyone, just wanting to know, speeches are going to be starting in five minutes, so collect your thoughts, something like that. It's about making people feel like they're informed and they have information without feeling bossed around. And that sometimes takes a little bit of practice. But I really enjoy bossing people around in a fun way that's slightly manipulative and they don't know what's happening. So that's a really good point, Anya. Whoever is hosting, just make sure that they're keeping the guests informed as to what's coming up next. And again, yeah, if you've got speeches coming up and people are scattered everywhere, gather, gather the people give them a moment to settle, then go for it. The other thing she made a great point about, lovely bride Sheila Anya, founder of this episode, said that her and her partner recently went to a Sikh Indian wedding where we received no warning of what was to be expected. Google gave us incorrect info and thus we didn't become prepared with donations for the temple. A girl showed up with bare legs and received a bit of a backlash and there was full bowing and standing sequence that all of the guests completely stuffed up as a tasting ritual, completely stuffed up and a tasting ritual, my apologies, which is awkward when you don't want to insult anyone. Also, nobody knew women weren't meant to drink at the reception and that was uncomfortable. Some guidelines on the wedding website would go a long way. She makes an excellent point. I'm a white girl from Hobart, Tasmania, Australia. I have lots of diverse friends. I want to say that. It was like an Amy Schumer thing where she goes, my black friend or my black friend. I try. (laughs) It's a great bit of stand-up, by the way. But I want to say I haven't been to a lot of diverse weddings. And I think diverse is in uh, religious, religiously diverse, culturally ethnic diverse, diversity. Sometimes... It's great and really interesting from a a perspective of someone visiting a new place, learning about a new culture or tradition to have some information. And I've spoken about this before, that even when you, well, as Anya said, she would have loved a little bit of a a page on a website or something that they can have as a little lift out in an invitation to say, here are some of the amazing parts of our Sikh tradition. Here's what to expect when you come to a Sikh wedding. And it's actually, I think, from a guest perspective, really interesting to learn. And also, as as Anya said, for girls to maybe not wear a shorter dress if they've got to be bowing and doing a lot of deep squats in the in the, in the service. Also, they would love to have been able to be pre-prepared to give a bit of a donation at the temple. But often all of us walk around with credit cards and cards all day. I don't carry cash. So to have that pre-preparation can't speak today. To be pre-prepared, can't still can't say it, just to get your shit together and just to know that, uh, you know, you can't assume that everyone will understand, especially if potentially your friendship group aren't from a similar cultural background and just, a bit, you know, again, clueless white people from Tasmania. Love you, clueless white people from Tasmania. You're my people. <laughs> I just laughed at myself, which is pretty sad. 
Anya. Good on you. Here's a cheeky voice message. Hey, Alicia. This is Carly in Oregon. I am um, a longtime listener, and I really, really enjoy your podcast. So thanks for all you do. Um, I am messaging you in reference to the post um, another bridechilla posted about our experiences as guests and things we took away from weddings and what we really enjoyed. And I had a really good one this summer with my fiancé. We attended his good friend's wedding in August in eastern Oregon in a super rural little tourist town that is in the winter totally a ghost town. Like, nobody lives there in winter. And so it's super cowboy um, kind of feeling, and it is just super, super beautiful. It's kind of referred to as Little Switzerland of Oregon or the Little Swiss Alps. Um, Yeah, so we attended this wedding not really knowing what to expect since the town's so small and it was hosted in the only hotel in the entire town. (laughs) And we were just blown away by everything they did and the whole experience overall. And having just gotten engaged about a month before we went to this wedding, we really didn't know what to expect uh, with planning our own wedding. And I think this attending this wedding was really a blessing. Um, the couple that got married had been together for 10 years. Um, they're in their 30s, and they have a four-year-old son who is the cutest kid ever, who was, uh, I mean, literally no, so I should start from the beginning. What really struck me was their wedding was just simple, no frills, and just gorgeous. Um, like I said, it was hosted in that little hotel, which is a six-room hotel, so it's teeny tiny, and they had 75 guests. It was just Everything was so intimate, and it really felt like anyone who was invited in there was really wanted there. And I loved that, because in other weddings, I feel like it's felt like, oh, you know, so-and-so's plus one that the brides probably never met, or, oh, their ex that they felt like they needed to invite, how awkward, or that aunt that's too, you know, no one's talked to in five years. It was kind of cool. Like, everybody got along. There was no one did anything awkward or weird it just it felt everybody felt like they belonged and it was really cool um I loved that the bride's sister made macramé some um floral hangings and then she just went out in her garden and picked a bunch of flowers because in Oregon we can kind of grow anything and she just filled those with some really beautiful flowers and they did all of the food family style which my fiance loved i could give or take but it was really sweet how it turned out it looked really 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 cool um and then lastly what i love the most too is that they just kind of rented the whole space for the whole night and these are some party people so they were up pretty late um and all the friends had rented all of the hotel rooms so everybody was staying in the same place um friend wise and we were able to just hang out and party as long as we wanted it was pretty cool um, anyways, I guess what I took away from this as a bride chilla to be was keep it mellow, you know, say fuck it to the extremes and over the topness of weddings. And you feel as someone who's a few months in, you feel this pressure to add and add and add and put on, oh, you have to have this, you have to have that from every vendor I've heard a different thing I have to have. And just stand your ground and be like, no. (laughs) 
For example, my uh, fiance is wearing a Hawaiian shirt to our wedding because he lives his life in Dickies and Van shoes and button-up flannels, and that's his life. That's just what he wears. He doesn't wear suits. I'm going to be weirded out if he's wearing a suit on our wedding day. I'll be like, who are you? And so his family's pressured him to cover his tattoos, and he's like, no, it's just not me. So I love it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Anyways, so that's our thing. We're not having our wedding party match at all. Everyone be yourself. No one cares. Nobody is going to look at you and go, Ugh. I mean, unless you're in a bikini, don't wear a bikini to a wedding. That's on you. Anyways, really got off track here. Overall, just stick to your guns. That's what I learned from this experience. Um, keep it casual and only include the things you love. Anyways, thank you for all you do. And I can't wait to hear this episode, whether I'm in it or not. I love the podcast and love the message of this one. Thanks. Well, Carly, you made it. You're a hero, and I bloody loved everything you had to say, especially that your partner's decided to wear a Hawaiian shirt and is going to show his tats. That's who he is. This is the whole point. Why turn up to your wedding, of all days, looking like someone that's not you? doesn't make any sense to me. I support him fully. I support you fully, and I couldn't agree more. I think a lot of the people, especially the white noise, when you first get engaged and you start to think, oh, this is how it should be done. These people are saying, well, you've got to have this and you've got to have that. And you're like, no, the fuck I don't. No, the fuck I don't. Listen to the fuck up bucket list. Golly gosh, my list is still very long and we are 18 minutes into this shindig. So i got to just pedal to the metal now or I could just take my time. We're not in a hurry, are we? More after this. Bride chillers, groom chillers and other chillers today, we are learning lessons from weddings that we have attended in the past and deciding what we'll keep, what we may put in the fucking bucket, or maybe just tweak ourselves when it comes to our own weddings. Bride Chiller Katie said, The things I remember the most about weddings is the food. If it's bad and I get hangry, that's pretty much the only thing I remember. Also, consider if people aren't eating, they get drunk a lot faster. And how considerate the couple is to their guests. Did they force everyone to take their seats and sit in the sun for 20 minutes before the ceremony even started when it's 100 plus degrees? I mean, I get it's their day, but don't be a dick. <sighs> don't be a dick. That should be a new bride chiller t-shirt. Um, agree with Katie here. Food is a big thing for all of us because we need it to stay alive. But I agree with you wholeheartedly. A lot of the key moments in my life especially at events and stuff, come from the memory of food. And if it's shit food, I probably remember it more than good food. You know, food disappointment can be devastating. So do think about that. Keep, and I think even if the food's not crazy amazing, as long as it's consistent and people are being fed and they're not starving and gnawing away at the side of a wall or getting hammered, which we're going to get to, it's, it's better for you. And yes, if you're getting married in the peak of summer, provide somewhere well, for your guests to find shade. But also, if it's hotter than the sun, be mindful of your, of your guests' health and well-being. Seriously, because old people, they go down quickly. You don't want that at your wedding. Speaking of food, there were some very good points. Very good points about 
variety of food. Bridechilla Jessica said, I was a bridesmaid and a friend's wedding. I attended the rehearsal dinner and the wedding and they had the same meal for both. This is weird. I don't know if this is weird or if this is right. It was good, but I was like, didn't we just have this for dinner last night? So I learned that variety is probably a good idea for the rehearsal and actual meal. So another good point, if you're eating at the same venue, just mix it up a little bit. Not hard. Just maybe don't have the same meal. Bit strange, but I agree. Another point she makes, which I'm very, I take this very seriously. See how serious my voice went? She says, I did remember getting up to dance to my favorite song and the server taking my cake away when I only had one bite of it. So I was sad about that. What the fuck? This is not on. No cake should be removed from a table at any point and does annoy me. It annoys me a lot. That is good cake and that's there to be eaten. And sometimes I like to eat. I've got a bit of a cake eating um, philosophy. I really like the icing. So sometimes I will eat the bottom of the cake and leave like an inch layer top of the cake uh, with the icing and the cake. But I, I get rid of all the bottom of the cake first. So if I were to get up, if I heard my favorite song, and I want to dance. I want to take that plate of cake with me. But I do want the option for it to be there 100% when I return from dancing. And I, the way I eat cake, it might look like I'd picked around it. But that's my system. Don't fuck with it, servers. I respect you but don't fuck with it. Bridechilla Samantha. (laughs) And I just bashed the microphone. Bridechilla Samantha. One of my favorite things that happened at a friend's wedding was her genius idea to bring out appetizer to bring out appetizer foods later in the night. Okay, I'm going to let you in on a secret. I'm going to keep reading Samantha's message, but I'm also going to let you in on a secret. Side note. They had a fairly regular setup. They passed appetizers at cocktail hour, a sit-down dinner, cake, open bar for a few hours, cash bar for the rest of the night with dancing. But a good way into the party, well after dinner was served and well into the open bar hours while people were tossing back the drinks, that is when they actually revealed mini appetizers like mini sliders, tacos, small mac and cheese cups. The entire table was like, what is this magic? What is this heaven? It was seriously the most perfect thing because we digested dinner, we were buzzed, so comfort food was like the best thing ever. And a good idea to offer guests to help soak up the booze and prevent people from getting too drunk throughout the remainder of the night. Now, I'm guessing, Bradshaw Samantha, I can't, I'm, I'm currently not connected to the internet, but uh, I'm guessing you are from America. And congratulations. But here's the secret. In England... This is always part of the deal. Well, mainly always. Not to go too hard on the cultural differences, but strangely, English people call the meal at the wedding the wedding breakfast. I was always like, what the fuck's going on? Who's eating breakfast at a wedding in an afternoon? But it's just the meal. And then they sometimes split the... They, and British people, please leave me a voice message and explain this better because I haven't been to too many weddings in England, but I've heard a lot about them. And they split the event into sort of like the daytime, the ceremony, the lunch or the afternoon. uh, And then they have the disco dance part of the night, which sometimes they invite a whole new bunch of people to. So they put on another lot of eats, like late night snacks for that disco crowd. And it seems to work really well for the very same reason Samantha was saying. People don't get too boozed. 
when they get the munchies at the end of the night and you want that extra bit of second wind, it's great to have a bit of, you know, little baby burgers or whatever they're going to have. Just finger food, just to go, mum, 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 keep dancing. Mum, 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 that's my eating noise. And it's a great idea. And actually, if it doesn't mean it has to cost you more money. You can just pace the food out a little bit more. And I think a lot of caterers, especially in the States, and even in Australia, we don't really do this very much, probably go, this is weird. But I actually think it's genius and it extends your party longer. So, Samantha, well done. It's a great suggestion. And, oh, blighty, they seem to do things well over here, some things. And they did come up with that idea about 100 years ago and well done them. I could go for a snack right now, by the way. (laughs) Let's talk about booze. Bridgela Casey said a friend, he was in his cousin's wedding, it ended up being a cash bar. And there was no ATM within 20 minutes of the venue. And there was none at the actual venue. So they were in a very remote cottage style in Rhode Island. Seriously, if you're having a cash bar, let people know ahead of time. It may seem uncouth, but to put it out there, but it's also necessary. Correct. And I think I mentioned earlier in the show, I rarely travel with cash anymore. I'm a complete card-only person. And I don't think that does well for anyone in the the cash situation, whether it's someone wanting to sell you a newspaper on the street, like from the 40s, or giving donations to homeless people or trying to help people with the big issue. I feel like we need a new system now because I don't carry cash and I feel like a bad person for it. But also if we go to a restaurant and they're like, it's cash only. And I'm just like, oh my God, what is this, the 90s? Bradchilla Emily, I'm going to talk a little bit about budget and about what we... uh, what we've observed with going to spenny weddings, expensive weddings, versus more inexpensive weddings. Bradchilla Emily said, I've been to beautifully styled and decorated weddings with lavish favours and decorations that were very enjoyable. And I've also been to cookie cutter, package style weddings that were equally enjoyable, even without the extra touches. What matters to me as a guest is whether your guests enjoy themselves. It was combined with a bride who complained about how little some of her new husband's family members had given them in dollars at their engagement party, and the whole thing just felt a little showy in a not enjoyable way at times, like she was a lot more focused on how her wedding photographed than anything else. It's a really good point. A fun little exercise for everyone today, tonight, tomorrow, whenever you've got time, is to think about some of the details that you maybe be stressed about or worried about or have just been pondering about. You don't have to have feelings of negativity attached to them. But looking at these details and asking who they're for, it's fine to have details for photographs. That's totally cool. But also, will anyone know on the day, are you worried about them because of thinking you might miss out on a photo or is it something that will deeply impact the actual physical day just good questions because a lot of the big fancy pants weddings the styling and stuff does really show up in the photographs but then also I think going back one of the key messages that seems to be in all of these beautiful comments are yeah I don't remember any of that I didn't really bother me I don't really care big fat whatevs so it goes back it just goes back what's the focus what's the focus bride chiller melissa I always thought it was super picky to have a seating chart, but I've been to weddings with and without, and the weddings with them always go smoother and don't make guests feel awkward, 
looking for somewhere to sit. A wedding I went to without, my boyfriend and I ended up at a table on the other side of the room from our good friends. Also, I don't remember the chairs I sat in, the colour of the tablecloths, or even the centrepieces, but I do remember little things that are unique to that couple, like a wedding I went to where they had little Easter eggs of their favourite shows thrown around the wedding, in the guest book, in music, etc. Very nice. Yes, seating charts are a strange one. Someone, independently of this post, made a comment about this this sort of thing that people are not having seating charts. Now, I'm, I'm fine either way, but I have never been to a wedding where it's been a free-for-all seating situation. I'm morbidly fascinated, and I likened it in my reply in the Bride Chiller community a few years ago one of the discount airlines in Australia, Jetstar, decided they would ditch ticketed seating. Well, you you buy a ticket, but actual numbered seating. And you could just get up and get on the plane and sit wherever you want. Now, I know some airlines still do this, but Australians could not cope with this shit. They all pushed. People were freaking out. They would get on the plane. They couldn't decide where to sit. It was chaos. It did not suit our people. We could not cope with it. So that was quickly ditched and we returned to proper seating numbered situations with boarding passes. They just couldn't cope. So when it comes to weddings, you need to feel your people and go, is it just easier to number a chart, get them to sit where you tell them? Are they the sort of people that are going to go rogue? Also, it's hard without seating arrangements if you've got specific dietary stuff you've got to figure out where to put people how caterers are going to find them so I don't have strong opinions either way but I just think the logistics of it all can be easier when you know where people are going and also you're not going to have this bottlenecked weird thing when people go into the venue going where am I going to sit quick run save a seat put a handbag on a seat for someone I don't want to sit next to her I hate them oh I'm stuck with the losers there's not going to be losers but there is always losers we know it we all know it So just be mindful. Think ahead. If that doesn't work for you, great. If it does, also great. Bridechiller Brittany, please do not make your friends and family sit through a slideshow featuring photos of you before you serve dinner. You can have it running in the background, but no one cares to sit through it while they're hungry. Hallelujah. Brittany, you said it all. I don't really care for a slideshow. I mean, they know who you're there. They can go on Facebook later. If They can go on Facebook while they're at the dinner if they want. Do we need a slideshow? I don't know. Am I being judgy today? Yes, that's fine. Bridechiller Laura, personally, I say don't worry too much about cocktail hour entertainment, like giant Jenga games, lawn games, etc. I've been to so many weddings where these were laid out and untouched because people have handfuls of drinks, canapes, and are socialising instead. Well, here, here. Now, look, if your venue and your theme of your whole kit and caboodle wedding uh, is lawn games, I don't know if that's, yeah, it's a theme, isn't it? Or not board games. That I mean, you could have board games, but you don't want people sitting around playing board games. You want them to socialise. The whole point of the cocktail hours that everyone goes, oh, hello, and where are you from? And how do you know the groom? Oh, you've slept with him before. Great, that's weird. Move on. Or, hello, um, I've got a story to tell you about the groom when he was two. And you're like, I don't care. But you, you do the chats because that's what you do. By the way, who says, hello? Like, if you met this woman at your wedding... You'd back away, wouldn't you? Hello, what's going on? She seems like a predator. I wouldn't go near her. She's weird. 
again, if if you want to provide activities, fabulous. But think about why you're providing the games and the activities. People are adults. They can stand around and talk, have a cocktail, eat an hors d'oeuvre. They don't need to do stuff. You don't have to provide things unless it's inclusive. But also I find it weird that some people go off and play a game on their own and and uh, I don't know. What am I trying to say? I've been to weddings where I've happily gone and sat on a little side bench and had a chat to a couple of people. Or Rich and I have gone and had a quiet moment, which sounds like we're having sex. We're not. We were just going to have a little drink and we'd been dancing. We'd have a sit down. But it's nice to have a little quiet moment, but you don't have to have activities. We're adults. We can look after ourselves. Bradshaw LaLaura also says, if you want everyone to dance, do not put the bar in another room or another part of the venue. Right next to the dance floor is ideal, especially if you're having alcohol. That's honestly the biggest takeaway I've found from weddings. There are some amazingly beautiful venues with underground bars or cool houses with actual bar areas, but the problem is everyone loves hanging out at the bar. It's a fun place to chat and catch up. Plus, once you run out of a drink, you have to pull yourself off the dance floor and get distracted by catching up with everyone at the bar in a different room or area. My mum's wedding had people dancing in our family that I don't think I've ever seen smile before the day. (laughs) That's good news, partly because the band was phenomenal, but also because they just grabbed drinks right next to the dance floor and continued on their way. Yes, yes, think like a guest. If that is the message of today's episode, it's think like a guest, be strategic and actually Put yourself in their shoes and feel like what it would be like to be a guest at your own wedding and hope obviously you've got good visuals of what you'd like, but also just think about the process of, you know, while you're going away and having beautiful photographs taken, whatever, what are your guests doing? Do they have somewhere to sit? Can they easily access alcohol if that's what you're doing? Make it happen that way. Bridechiller Casey says, Please do sound checks. She didn't write it like that, but that's how I read it. Oh, please do sound checks. Last wedding, I went to. The officiant was fading in and out like this. Fading. Yeah. Hello. I just like to hear me with the microphone. The officiant was fading in and out as he rotated to look at the crowd. And also, super funny actually, but the officiant forgot to tell the crowd to sit down after the bride walked down the aisle, so they stood like half of the ceremony. What a bunch of sheep. Make sure you tell the officiant to have the guests sit down. What a bunch of dummies. Would you just sit down? I suppose you wouldn't. Oh, I probably wouldn't. If everyone else is standing, you don't want to be the dickhead that sits down. But then you're also like, oh, let's just sit down. Let's take a seat. I stand for too long. I act like I'm all rogue and crazy, but I would be just standing because I'm polite. I don't want to be like the one lone jerk going, oh, fuck this. I'm sitting down. It's your wedding. Fuck it. Sitting. Time for a couple more. I haven't got through this list at all. I'm so close to the end. Should I just keep going? I'm so close. I've got like four points. I'm going to keep going. Thanks for supporting me for that decision. If this is your first episode listening... I don't know what to say. This is what you get, basically. I was going to say, it's not normally this, but it is. It really is. Bridechilla Samantha, I'm avoiding a giant ceremony length. I've been to two that I literally had to suppress my yawns through. Eek! 
She literally wrote eek. Love that word. I feel like sometimes that's hard to avoid if you're doing a religious ceremony. My future husband and I aren't, so we don't have to worry about cutting tradition short or anything. Good. Very good news. She says, but if it's all, if it, if it, but if it's at all possible, it's great to keep things timely and meaningful. You don't want your guests zoning out and thinking about when the party's going to start. Exactly. Talking of the party, let's segue to the bridal party. Hey, 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 professional. The bridal party, uh, as told by bride chiller Lauren. I'm in a wedding that hasn't happened yet, but most of the bridesmaids are absolutely miserable. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because the uh, MOH, maid of honour, is micromanaging everything and doing it so very poorly. God. We were not involved in planning the shower at all. The bride had actually told me she didn't want a shower, and then we were billed for food and decorations at the shower. Fucking hell. I couldn't afford it, but some of the bridesmaids are students and otherwise they have really tight budgets, so it was much more difficult. I definitely recommend making sure there is communication from the bride, groom, or groom and groom, bride, bride, and the wedding party. Mm. Being aware of the wedding party's budget is also very key. Another thing that the maid of honour asked is that we have a backup plan for travel in case of bad weather because some of us are out of state. I'm flying, so if my plane can't take off, I will not be at the wedding. There is literally no other option unless I take the entire week off work. Think about your requests before making them. Oh, fuck yeah. Okay. This maid of honour. I need a phone number. I'd like to have a chat with her. That would be inappropriate. She'd be like, who the fuck's this? Stop telling me what to do. Also, get your backup plan ready. What does she actually want you to do? I don't understand. I mean... Yeah, okay, it would suck if stuff happens, but stuff does happen. But what backup? I want I want to hear this woman's explanation as to what she thinks is a good backup plan. Is she sort of suggesting that you pre-plan hiring a car to drive across the country like out of Home Alone 2? Or is it, what does she want? Is it just a control freaky thing? Some people just like to be shitheads and control things because they think, it makes them seem important if they give you lots of tasks to do and they treat you like you're a dummy and that you, you know, you might not have the adult capabilities to come up with a backup plan yourself. So silly. Honestly, who is the time? I want to speak to this woman. And also, if you don't, you can't just send people bills. You have to, you have to have a conversation. Two more wonderful things and then I'm going to take off into the sunset until next week. Bridechilla Vivian, I've been to a few weddings where my fiancé was a groomsman. Lovely. And some of these weddings, the bride's head table was only for people in the bridal groom party and not for their dates. As a date of the groomsman, they were boring weddings. (laughs) As I had to be separated from my date, other brides allowed the dates of the groomsmen and bridesmaids to sit at the head table. I felt that this was kinder to the dates. I'm definitely allowing my dates, well, the dates, at the head table because I want everyone to have a good time. True. Horses for courses, Vivian, but I agree. It can be hard when you don't really know if you're not part of that crew and you get sit with the, you know, they sometimes sit you with the randos. I've been the date 
Rich has been a groomsman at a couple of weddings, and I'm just like, I don't know any of these people. I'll do my best. I'll have a good time. A couple of champs in. I'm everyone's friend. But it can feel a little isolating. Final final thoughts, Bride Schiller Natalie. That was like a supermarket announcement. Final thoughts on aisle three with Bride Schiller Natalie. Something I've noticed about all these weddings. The brides that really put in their minds that they're going to be relaxed and enjoy the day, do. No matter what mishaps pop up, every single one has told me it was the best day ever. The weddings I've had the most fun at are the ones where the couple are carefree and happy. That's something I'm going to try and remember for our day. Can I get a fuck yes, Natalie? Yeah, great. You've summed it up. You're crackerjack. You're amazing. You all are. That was very satisfying, that episode. Very satisfying. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you're ready for part two of this episode next week on Monday, the regular day to which this podcast comes out. If you are new to the show, and you might be because I have just been added to Spotify. Spotify? Spotify. And uh, potentially you haven't heard this show before, so I welcome you and I encourage you to join the Bride Chiller Facebook community. It's called the Bride Chiller Community. It's full of rad people talking about wedding shit without being bitchy assholes. Also, if you are interested in catching up on the latest Bride Chiller blog posts, we have had some amazing blogs recently, and we're also featuring a lot of Bride Chiller graduates who have shared their beautiful images and also some updates on how they kept their chill throughout their wedding planning. If you visit thebridechiller.com, that's where you'll find links to everything I've spoken about today. There will also be a blog post for today's show, show notes is what I like to call them, and you'll be able to catch up on all the past episodes there as well. There it is, lots of information. Thanks to everyone for supporting this amazing community and supporting me. I fucking love you all. I fucking love you all. It's like a drunk Aussie at a wedding. I fucking love you, mate. I fucking love you. Until next week's episode of the show, write to me, tell me things, leave me voice messages. Happy days. The Bride Chiller Podcast. The only place a cookie cutter should be used is in the kitchen. Am I right?